The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael, Nathanael land, Nathanael, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, (laughs) and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is God's word for us tonight. Let me pray before we consider it together. Okay, so let me pray. Father, we're grateful for just this new um, opportunity, this new semester, this new season. And um, I know while a lot of students are excited um, to be here, there's also a lot of other emotions that come into this room, coming off of maybe a summer that was just really hard, or hard being at home, or a hard work situation. There are students coming here with a, just a lot of baggage that they carry in, and a lot of anxiety walking into a room like this. Maybe there's a lot of students that um, find themselves tonight very kind of weirded out, that they would find themselves in sort of a Christian churchy kind of environment. Um, There are students in here that are depressed, that are lonely, that are angry, that are filled with guilt and shame, and there are students in here that are excited and thrilled and optimistic. And so, Father, regardless of where we find ourselves tonight and how we came in here, I pray that we would encounter you in a really tangible and personal way. Would you meet us and be merciful to us in whatever condition we find ourselves tonight? And we would pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, earlier, this summer, earlier this summer, I had the unique privilege of going to the Cheesecake Factory. And I don't know if, if it's been a while since you've been to the Cheesecake Factory, if you've ever had a Cheesecake Factory experience, but I'm pretty sure that all Cheesecake Factory experiences always have together three features. The first feature of the Cheesecake Factory experience is that there's usually some form of weight when you get there. Every time I've ever been to the Cheesecake Factory, there's only been one time where I've ever just gone in and got straight to a table. Normally, you you go to the little receptionist booth thing, and they tell you you it's going to be 10 to 15, 20 minutes, and they hand you the little buzzer deal, and then you wait for it to buzz for you to be beckoned into the doors of paradise. So that's feature one, is the wait. Feature two is once you are beckoned and welcomed and ushered in, you're you're seated and you're greeted by an enthusiastic waiter or a waitress who fills your water glass and then proceeds to hand you the menu, which is the size of a Harry Potter novel, (laughs) because the menu is so stinking big at, you know, the Cheesecake Factory. You can order, (laughs) you can order burritos, Thai food, I think sushi, hamburger statement, they've got anything you could possibly want. And so you've got to pick something because you can't order everything. So that's feature number two, giant menu. 
Feature three is then when the portions actually arrive, the portions are ungodly. I mean, they're just sinful how big they are. I don't know if you, you know if you ever had the chicken fingers. They really like there's 40 chicken fingers that they put in front of you. It's it's just wrong. So and if you're not careful, if you're not disciplined, then you will leave the cheesecake factory sick and upset and in need of a nap and regretting your decision. Now. The reason I bring that up is because I think that UT is very similar to the Cheesecake Factory experience. Think about it. There's a wait to get in to this place. People from all over the country last year wanted to get in, applied to get in, and then waited, waited for their buzzer to go off. And if you're in this room, most likely, you, you got a letter that confirmed and your buzzer went off and said, yes, you can be ushered into paradise here. And so once you got here, Many of y'all moved in this weekend. Once you finally got here, you were greeted with people that were optimistic and eager to help you move in and eager to get you settled in and then threw at you a menu the size of a Harry Potter novel with tons of opportunities that you can get involved with on, you know, on campus. And especially if y'all go to the student engagement fair this Friday night, it will be like mass hysteria. Everybody and their mother will, will want you to get involved in their particular thing. There's a million different options, and a lot of them are great, and they're wonderful opportunities for you to get involved in. And that's just not university stuff at large. If you think about just even the Christian ministries on campus, there's a ton of great ministries for you to get involved in on campus and to really get plugged in and involved. And for as many options as there are, just like the menu, you've got to pick something. You've got to be selective. You can't do it all. I guess you could do none of it, but, but you can't do it all. You have to pick something at least. And just like the Cheesecake Factory experience, if you're not careful, if you're not disciplined, then you can so engorge your stu- yourself on stuff at UT that you just kind of end up sick. Where you're so involved, you're so busy, you've done this, you're doing this, you've done this, you've just eaten and eaten and eaten and taken from the buffet that is the University of Tennessee, that you really can graduate after your experience and be just sick and eating some rollades after the whole experience. And so what I want to do tonight is really become, before the whole semester kind of gets cranked up tomorrow, is to really just kind of take a few minutes and to highlight in the menu the picture of what RUF is as an option for you on campus. What it's like, what it features, what we do here. And so really just for, for tonight, I want, to, I want to use this passage that I just read as a springboard to talk about what RUF is and kind of what we're, what we're hoping to be on campus. So here's what I want to look at this kind of under three headings. Here are the three headings. As far as RUF is concerned, I want to look at who we are, what we do, and what we want. Okay? So those are the three things we're going to talk about briefly tonight. Who we are, what we do, what we want from you. So here's the, here's the first thing. Start off creepy. Um, who we are. Here's who we are. To get kind of into who we are when, when we talk about RUF, look, um, look back at this passage and look at verse 43. Jesus, you know, this kind of story begins by Jesus approaching this guy named Philip and invites him to drop everything that he's got going on and invite him to follow him. And Philip is obviously very amped up and excited about this. And so he drops everything and starts following Jesus. And he's game on from the beginning. He's excited. He, in fact, the very next verse, he goes up to his friend named Nathaniel and kind of geeks out on him a little bit. I don't know if you saw this. If you look at verse 45, the very next verse, Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
So what do we already know about Philip? You don't even have to read between the lines. We already know he knows the Bible. I mean, he's talking about like Moses and prophets and the law and everything. He knows the Bible. He loves the Bible. He's excited about Jesus. He's eager to get Jesus in front of his friends. And in many ways, I think that describes probably some of you in this room, where you came to campus and you're really excited about the Bible and excited about Jesus and you're eager for your friends to connect with him. And that's great. And I want you to know up front that, we, that RUF is a place for you. RUF is a place for kind of the Phillips in the room. But we want this to be a place where you really can grow deeper in your faith, where you can be equipped for ministry, you can be challenged on how to serve other people, you can, you can be brought deeper in the way that you think and explore the Bible theologically and historically and biblically. And so RUF is for the Phillips in the room. But Philip is not the only character in the story, right? Philip goes up to his friend Nathaniel, and he's all excited. Oh, you've got to come meet this dude named Jesus. He's from Nazareth. And what is, what is Nathaniel's response? Look at verse um, 46. Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Now, Nazareth, to people in this day and age, was kind of this hillbilly, podunk, backwoods, Region in Galilee that nobody kind of took seriously. And so Nathaniel's saying, he's coming out of Nazareth? And he's kind of rolling his eyes at this. Like, you're telling me, like, the Jesus that you're talking about feels so primitive and kind of outdated. And he's, he's rolling his eyes at the whole thing. And in many ways, that probably describes some of you in this room. Where you think, oh, the Bible, like RUF, Christianity, churchy stuff, that feels like so Nazareth. That feels so like high school. Like been there, done that, and and I'm I'm at college now, and if I'm going to have any sort of intellectual integrity, if if, if I'm going to be seen as sophisticated, I can't associate myself with the Bible, because that's primitive and outdated and a little wacko and weird. Others of you um, have gotten to college, and you really do want the college experience. You kind of want to do the college thing as it's, uh, you know, characterized, the college experience. But, you know, what the Bible says about sex and sexuality and alcohol and drunkenness, that just feels so like Nazareth. It feels so, like, outdated and primitive. And if you're going to want the college experience, then everything in you is going to want to get away from the Bible and kind of roll your eyes at it because it feels so regressive. Others of you may have grown up in the church, but you get to college and you're like, you know, this Christianity isn't, it's, it's like not working for me anymore. I just have kind of gone, I've gotten bored with it. I feel kind of numb to it. It doesn't really, you know, like excite me like maybe it did in high school. Or maybe you didn't grow up in the church and you just hear it because a friend brought you and you're like, I don't know what in the world to think about all this stuff. But here's all we know. For, Na- for the Nathaniels in the room, RUF is a place for you too. Because if you notice, Jesus gathers around, uh, gathers himself, you know, a community of people, and it has both Philip's and Nathaniels in it. Believers and skeptics. He doesn't form a Christian club where everybody believes the same thing and signs off on the same thing and all looks the same. No, he actually brings together a pretty diverse, eclectic group of people. And in many ways, that's kind of what we want RUF to be. On campus, we want this to be an eclectic, diverse place for where regardless of where you find yourself spiritually, that this can be a safe place for you to explore and to wrestle and to 
ask questions and to process what in the world the Bible is actually saying. My junior year of college was the first time I ever went to an RUF meeting at the University of Oklahoma, which is where I went. And it was, it was a small group of 15 or 20 students that met in the campus minister's living room. So we all sat around and we sang those weird hymns. And then the campus minister got up and asked this icebreaker question to kind of get everybody talking. And the question was, what's the CD that's in your car stereo right now? I don't know if y'all know this, but back in the day, we used to listen to music on these things called CDs. <laughs> and so at the time, uh, I remember, you know, it's my first audio experience. I don't know anything. I don't know what this is. And at the time, I remember the CD in my CD player was uh, an Eminem album. <laughs> and I was so ashamed of that, so nervous of that, I lied. And I, and, I, and I told the group the thing that was in my CD player was Caveman's Call, which is a Christian and a worship band. Now, why, why would I have lied in that particular scenario? Uh, why I can so vividly remember it. Oh, I think the reason why I lied was because I thought if these people really know what I like to listen to, if they really know what I enjoy, if they really know me, if they really find out what I struggle with, the doubts that I have, the questions that I have, then I'm going to be rejected. This is not going to be a safe place for me. I've never experienced a safe place where you can just be you with all of your insecurities and all of your questions and all of your mess and have a group of people actually embrace you. But that's what I actually grew to love and discover about RUF, and I hope that you do the same thing because that's what we want this place to be. We want RUF at UT to be a place that you can just be yourself with the questions that you have, with the spiritual enthusiasm that you have, with what... Whether you're a Philip or you're a Nathaniel or anywhere on that spectrum, we want this to be a place where you can ask questions and for it to be a safe place for you to grow in your faith or be challenged in your faith. So that's kind of who we are. But secondly, let's look at what we do. And that's who we are and what we want this kind of group to be. Let's look at what we actually do. And to kind of put that in a nutshell, what we try to do is we try to encounter Jesus. Now, I know that can sound a little weird, but that's what we're trying to do. And so, you know, let me explain what I mean by that. If you look at Nathaniel's reaction, go back to the passage. Nathaniel's reaction was Nazareth. That's ridiculous. And he kind of rolls his eyes. That has no intellectual integrity at all. Nazareth. What does Philip say back to him? If you look at verse 46, he says, come and see. And I think this is so incredibly insightful. Because what Philip does is he involves himself in the very thing that Nathaniel needs. He says, come and see. Come with me and see. He doesn't say, go and see. Like, hey, Jesus is over there. Like, you need him. Go to him. He says, I need the same thing that you do. I'm going to go to him too. Come with me and let's get, to, let's get to know Jesus together. In other words, the believer looks at the skeptic and says, I need the same thing that you need. Now, I want you to imagine yourself uh, in a waiting room with a room full of people, and you're all waiting for a job interview. You all are going to be interviewed for the same job. Now, what are you feeling in that particular moment? You're probably feeling nervous. You're feeling uh, a little threatened by the people in the room. You're feeling pressure. You're feeling like, okay, it's, I've, got to, I've got to put on my game face here. I've got to smile. I've got to put on the show. I've got to outwin. You know, I've got to get this job outside of everybody else. And deep down, you kind of hate everybody else in the room. 
Now imagine you're in a waiting room full of people, but you're going into um, not a job interview, but a doctor's office. What are you feeling in that situation? You're, you're feeling a sense of connection with everybody. We're kind of all on the same page because we're all sick, and it's very obvious. And we all need the same thing. We're all waiting to go see the same person in there. And what we want RUF to be is a place where it feels a little bit more like a, a doctor's office waiting room than it does a job interview, where everybody can sort of admit here, yeah, we are kind of a mess. Yeah, we, are, we do all feel sick, and we do all need the same exact thing. Where if you can sort of picture the most crazy, wild, party monster of a college student out there, and to say, yeah, I actually have the same problem as that person, and I need the same thing that that person does. And so we come here and we admit it. And we're the type of community that says to that person, come with us to see Jesus. Not you go, because you need Jesus, but we need him desperately too. But okay, here's the million dollar question, then. how do you see Jesus? Because here we are in Knoxville, Tennessee, 2014. It's not like Jesus is kicking it. PCB or something. Like, how do you, how do we see Jesus? Well, fundamentally, in RUF, we believe that primarily the way that you see Jesus is through interacting with him in the Bible. Before you really get spooked out by that, let, let me explain why I think that's true. Um, you know, when you get to campus, I mean, you're here at campus, everyone on this campus is going to look at you and put you in categories and define you based off of observations that they make. They're going to look at you and they're going to make judgments about you based off of what you wear, how you stand, what high school you went to, how skinny your jeans are, what kind of facial hair you have, what kind of language you use, whether you drink or not, whether you go Greek or not. Everybody's categorizing you and defining you. And let me, uh, let me just ask you a rhetorical question. How does that feel? Like, do you like that? Do you like it when other people just sort of size you up and define you based off of just kind of what they superficially see about you? I don't, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I don't like that. I like to be the one to tell people what I'm really like. I don't want them to jump to stupid conclusions based off of some stupid thing that I may be projecting about myself. And I think it's the same way with God. God doesn't want you jumping to weird conclusions about him based off of superficial observations. So, he tells you what he's actually like. He gives you his word. He gives you the Bible to say, I want to be the one that defines me for me. Not you to come up with silly conclusions based off of whatever. I want to be the one that tells you about me. So, here at RUF, what we do is we actually try to take that seriously. So, every single Tuesday night when we gather together in here, we open up the Bible to see what it says about him. See what it says about Jesus. And actually, the reason why we do that is because he says in the Bible, that is how his power flows into your life. That's how your life actually gets transformed, when you engage with him from the Bible. And that doesn't sound sexy, that doesn't sound flashy, that doesn't sound whatever. There's no special effects to it. But God seems to say, that's the way that I kind of do things. Through the ordinary opening of the Bible and showcasing Jesus to you. So what we're going to do this semester, week in and week out, is we're going to open up the Bible and see what it says about, what God says about relationships. What God says about dating, what God says about sex, what God says about marriage, singleness, friendship, whatever. We're just going to go through the semester and explore these particular topics about what, what does this God have to say about these particular things that are so 
relevant to your stage of life. So that's what we do. That's who we are, what we do, last thing, what we want. Coming, this is me. We're coming in for a landing here. What we want. What do we want? Well, here's what we want. We want to encounter the person of Jesus in the same way that Nathaniel did. That's what we want. Okay, how did Nathaniel encounter Jesus in the story? Well, go back to it. Look at verse 47. Let me read it. Verse 47 says this. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus looks at Nathanael and says, Okay, this, this dude right here tells it like it is. He's a straight shooter. He doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. He tells it like it is. And what does that tell you? That tells you that Jesus knows who Nathaniel is apart from ever having met him before. He knows him. He sees him. He, he gets him. But it also tells you that he affirms him. He praises him. He says, this brother tells it like it is. He could have said, here's Nathaniel. This scrub is abrasive and rude and talks too much. But he doesn't. He actually says, Here's somebody who I know, who I see to the bottom, and who I'm actually affirming. And Nathaniel's response to that, it's really interesting. If you look at verse 48, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Like, how is it possible? We've never met before. How do you see me for who I really am? And look at Jesus' response. The very next thing he says, I saw you under the fig tree. We don't really know what that means, but in verse 49, the Somehow that triggers a reaction that Nathaniel, his faith gets activated. He's like, whoa, you are the son of God. You, you are like the king. Now, we don't know what was going on under that fig tree. But it, it had to have been something so significant and so personal that when Jesus said that, he was basically saying, look, I see you. I know who you are. I know the kind of person you are. And I affirm you and love you. And for Nathaniel, all of those threads came together and did this explosion in his heart. And so his faith got activated and said, whoa, you are the son of God. He was profoundly impacted on the spot. And so here's the question. What happened? What was so profound that happened to Nathaniel? Well, to kind of get into that, let me introduce it this way. Um, I don't, maybe I don't know how many years ago. A number of years ago, Donald Miller came out with a very popular book called Blue Light Jazz. And uh, there's a really, I love this one particular um, paragraph that he writes. Let me just read it, what he says here. See if you can relate to this. Donald Miller says this. I've had 50 people tell me that I fear intimacy. And it's true. I fear what people will think of me. And that's the reason I don't date very often. People really like me when they only know me a little. But I have this great fear that if they knew me a lot, they wouldn't like me. That is the number one thing that scares me about having a wife because she would have to know me pretty well in order to marry me. And I think if she got to know me pretty well, she wouldn't like me anymore. Ava Brothers say something pretty similar in one of their songs, Paranoia and B Major. But they say this, I got secrets from you, you got secrets from me because you're so worried about what I'm going to think. Baby, I'm worried too. Now, what are those two things? What are those two things getting at? Here's what they're getting at. Every single human in this room, and really on this planet, 
thinks, if someone really knows me, if someone really saw me for who I really am, for what I really struggle with, for what my family's like, for what really pops into my head sometimes, if people really knew me and saw all my secrets and all my stuff that I don't want anyone else to see, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't want anything to do with me. They would totally write me off and be disgusted with me. And so what is so unbelievably profound for Nathaniel is here is someone who comes up to him and says, I see you, and I see, I see you to the bottom. I know everything there is to know about you, and I'm not running away. I'm actually affirming you and moving towards you. Because Nathaniel experienced Jesus who knew him and loved him at the same time, it was like an explosion went off inside of him. And so what we really desperately want at RUF is for you to be able to encounter the Jesus of the Bible, who would actually know you for who you really are, to know your junk, to know your shame, to know your secrets, and to not run away from you, but actually runs towards you, commits himself towards you, dies for you, forgives you, pursues you, over and over and over. This is why, by the way, Jesus ended the way that he does in this, in this little story here. But let me read it. It's a little weird, but I think it's really helpful. If, in verse 50, Jesus says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. And then he goes on, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now what in the world is he talking about? He's referencing this Old Testament story where Jacob fell asleep and had this vision of this ladder that was extending from earth to heaven. And there were all these angels going up and down the ladder. And Jesus says, okay, you're going to see something awesome, Nathaniel. I am the son of man that the angels are ascending and descending upon. In other words, heaven is open and I'm the ladder. I'm the way to get there. And this is what is different from, about Christianity from every other religion, every other religious perspective in the world. Because Jesus doesn't show up and say, I'm going to point you to the way. He says, I am the way. He doesn't say, look, now that you're here in college, if you want to really follow me, if you want to be really serious, then you've got to read your Bible, you've got to pray, you've got to journal, you've got to be responsible, you've got to work hard, you've got to go to RUF, you've got to join a Bible study, you've got to go to church, you've got to clean up your language, you've got to get a porn filter, you've got to be nice to your friends, you've got to encourage people, you've got to join a prayer group, you've got to join an accountability group, and then once you climb your way up and up and up and up, then maybe I'll give you access to heaven if you climb up strong enough. If you get to the top. Jesus says you can never climb that ladder. So I've become the ladder for you. I've done for you what you can never do. You can never climb the ladder so I climbed a cross. To die in your place. To pay for the very thing that you can never deal with. And look, when those two realities come home to you. That Jesus knows everything about you. And therefore he had to die for you. But he loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. When those two realities intersect in your heart, it transforms everything. You can look at the person on campus that you before looked down your nose at and said, I'm better than that person, and you can actually say, I need the same thing they need. You're free from the pretense. You become free from having to kind of dress up and pretend and kind of put on the Christian show for everybody. You can actually be real and authentic and messy. You would have humility. You would have courage. You would have confidence. All these things come together and transform your life. And so that's why... We want you to encounter the Jesus of the Bible. That's what we want. That's who we are. 
That's what we do. That's what we want. So really, I, I want to invite you to come back next week. I want to personally invite you, a personal invitation for me to come back next week, and to check out what this God might have to say about relationships, what he might have to say about the way that you date and relate and mate and procreate with each other. And so this, I think this is an unbelievable opportunity to get to know the God of the Bible, to be like Philip. And I'm going to be like Philip right now and say, come and see. Come and see this God that may actually be way better than you ever thought. So consider that an invitation, and let me pray. Father, we're grateful that you see us to the bottom. You know who we are. You know our insecurities. You know our struggles. You know our shame. You know our secrets. And yet you do not scold us. You do not label us. You do not shame us. But you move towards us with grace and with patience and with love and with sacrifice. And so, Father, I pray as we begin this new semester and this new season of life here in Knoxville, I pray that you would meet us and convince us afresh that these realities are true. Convince us that you see us, that you, it doesn't spook you, but that you actually move towards us. And help us at RUF to be a place that does the same, that moves towards those that are hurting, moves towards those that are excited, moves towards those that are skeptical. So help us and give us grace. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.